1: The doctor is in. Truck driver, or at least a car driver, or maybe it's a minivan. Deb's driving you around tonight. You got a, a, your own a wife chauffeur.
0: Right, I'm, I'm uh, sitting in the passenger seat, and, and I'm just uh, riding shotgun, and she's, uh, as she puts it, driving Miss Daisy.
1: Oh that's great, and Deb is uh, officially an assistant producer tonight, making sure you get wherever you're going safely while we do advanced medicine together. On the radio. And uh, good to hear your voice, my friend. I finally did get the Mango unit, and I just uh, for, are trying it out for the first time today after getting back from another uh, event I had to do in South Florida. So thanks for getting that to me. Those of you who haven't checked out the Mango for Health, there's a big banner at robertscodbell.com, and you can plug in, sign up, and then you can learn about it as well. So, uh, uh, I, I, like I said, I was just sharing some stories of what, using this kind of laser technology that have been profound already. So I'm really excited to put this into practice.
0: Yeah, in South Africa, they've already started doing some other studies at the University of uh, the Pretoria.
1: Pretoria, and, uh, yes.
0: Yeah, so they're they're getting some pretty amazing results down there. It's, it's interesting technology, so...
1: Very we'll cool. That Because we, we
0: know who listens to us, right, Robert? Right, right. We'll just report on it <laughs> at
1: a later time, maybe in our private sessions. But uh, I, let's see. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, I talked a, a little bit about the, the, the American Cancer Society acknowledging that their monopoly oncological treatments that they endorse and research and they want more of are actually causing secondary cancers that have nothing to do with the first cancer. And then you, you send me or Deb sends me um, an article about uranium contaminant in the water out west here in the United States. And on top of what we're learning about Fukushima impacting particularly the West Coast, but not exclusively, they even said that they found some evidence of uh, radioactive nucleotides in, in oranges that are grown in Florida even. So we know it's a widespread issue. But when we talk about the need to take care of ourselves, it's like an unprecedented time. You know, and then then you've got these people meeting around the world through the United Nations talking about global warming, and they're mentioning radiation? Not at all. They think that's a clean source of energy, as opposed to recognizing the cancer that it's causing.
0: Well, they also recognize the mercury light bulb as a green source of lighting and energy conservation movement and making incandescent bulbs illegal as part of the new paradigm of being energy conscious so we know that their thought processes are at the very least uh disrupted but then of course they've probably been riddled with vaccines that they've got a reason for their lack of sound judgment because of the brain damage that they've induced themselves i'm just trying yeah. to be nice right now though
1: yeah no it's good it's good because sometimes you drop those four-letter words that we tend not to speak here but yeah but it's it's understandable where they come from. Well, evidently the uranium in the San Joaquin Valley, one of the richest farm regions of the world. Does this mean they are um, well r- r- irrigating with radioactive water? And if so, even if you're eating good, clean food, you think there there are radioactive nucleotides uh, coming through in everything you do?
0: Yeah. The problem is when it gets into the into the uh, soil and they get into the food because it does tend to persist. But this is not news. This has been a problem in the United States for some time. In fact, you remember the, uh, the DVDs, once you narrated, and Brocky is a patient of mine who had pancreatic cancer who's in the cover of the cancer DVD. And those were done you know, well over 10 years ago, and the, it's actually probably more like 14, 14 years, the first versions of them. And he was uh, from Tennessee, and what was interesting was. When we did, tested him, when he came in with his cancer, when we tested him, he was very high in uranium. And there were four people that we treated from his county, from the county that he lived in, and all of them were farmers, and all of them had uranium toxic charge- stuff. charge. In fact, it's very rare that I see cancer patients that does not have high uranium levels. And in the beginning, some of them may not show it, but as we start treating them, the uranium starts coming out, and it just pours out. I've actually been seeing it a lot in children, too, on uh, our. As we've got, as you know, well over nine million data points now, of uh, all, all the metal testing that we've done—everything from toenail clipping levels, urine, fecal, hair, urine uh, uh, metabolites. But besides that, we've even got red blood cell, um, and of course the spectrophotometry levels. And we see uranium trending up, and it's not something that's just been since Fukushima. Fukushima is as of May of this year. It was four years. I think it was May 10th, May 11th. It was four years since the Fukushima accident. I believe it was May 11th, yes.
1: 2011,
0: was when it occurred. So they predicted about 4.2 years before the effect of the cesium uh, radioactive label cesium making full landfall on the West Coast. But there was evidence of radioactivity even in the high, in, in the Appalachian range. I believe it was uh, within two weeks they did some testing in uh, I can't remember the name of the mountain. It's Mount uh, It's one of the mountains near Asheville, and it's about six thousand, maybe sixty-five hundred feet foot elevation. And the normal levels of radiation there. They took one of those Geiger counters up there, and the normal levels are normally twelve to fifteen. And he just turns it on, he's talking on the camera, and about 10 long video. it's on YouTube. And before they turned it off, it was over 1,500. Wow. So that was only two weeks after Fukushima. So we know that it's gotten uh, wide dispersal, but the actual, I'm not sure what the terminology would be, the actual, when you talk about hurricanes, you talk about the eye of the storm, so it would be similar, uh, whatever the center most, would be that the, the mass component would be was due to make landfall 4.2 years after the initial onslaught and onslaught. that was on like i said may 11 2011
1: correct so yes. sometime
0: sometime around june july is really where it started getting into our food supply into our water supply and it's going to persist it's going to start to slowly dissipate you know obviously over the midwest and then eventually to the east coast but like you said there's things Already, there's already evidence of it in the food supply as far east as Florida. And this is not something new, but I don't think that's necessarily Fukushima stuff. But Fukushima is mostly the cesium aspect, but there is, of course, uranium and plutonium and other components to it, too.
1: Yes, exactly. And, you know, if there ever was an argument to take those nine steps to keep the doctor away like you wrote about in your book, I mean, it's one thing when we had a pristine environment and you could go off kilter for a little while and indulge and do something wrong. I don't think we have as much leeway anymore. And, of course, this doesn't preclude the acknowledgement, as we do all the time, about our emotional states of well-being, how we have a purpose-driven life, because that is an intangible yet tangible factor is important or more important than almost anything. But it also doesn't overwhelm uh, the reality that if we continue to ingest and not counteract what we're ingesting, even inadvertently, that we could end up being one of those statistical, not anomalies, but normalcy of, of, of cancer manifestation in this lifetime.
0: Yeah, that's a, a very true statement, Robert. And the sad part is that no matter how careful you are and how well you eat and how oriented you are to making sure that you only ingest things that are, that are from an organic source, et cetera, you really can't control this because once it gets into the water supply, the food supply, uh, you can be growing organic, and it doesn't matter because it's, it's not like something that you can uh, – um, or, or feel or notice or taste, and yes, you can test for it, but they would have to test the food-wise, and they usually don't test a produce for uranium and such. No, so,
1: they don't.
0: Yeah, so people have to be very careful, and this is one reason that the treatments that we do, you know, the interesting thing is DMPS, which is my uh, desired, my, my preferred choice of chelator uh, when it comes to arsenic, and uh, mercury is also... The key chelator for uranium and plutonium, which is obviously the source of uh, most nuclear reactors. So, any type of fallout you get from something like Fukushima, um, the same thing that would work for mercury is the the same type of uh, treatment modality that would be used for this type of uh, prevention.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we want to continue to encourage folks, if you're new to the Robert Scott Bell Show, new to the advanced medicine segments we do each and every Monday with Dr. Rashid Bittar, you can find Dr. Bittar at com linked up in the show notes as well as to medicalrewind.com, the easiest way to hear the hundreds of hours of shows that we've done over the years, including topics such as this. But each new piece of the information we want to reveal as we find it and, of course, uh, emphasize that it's not that we want you to panic, but we certainly want you to do the things that you have genuine control over. And that's the point of not being victimized by the world we are on right now. And, you know, if there is some level of ability to correct it, it may only be in our control to correct what we're interacting with because it's a big world, and there are a lot of people that are completely unconscious of what's going on in it.
0: Yeah, and, you know, one of the questions that I feel, at least most people would probably want to know, which I think we should probably discuss to some extent, and that is what can I do as an individual to prevent exposure? And really there are very few places left in the northern hemisphere where you're not going to get affected because we had Chernobyl 29 years ago, you've got Fukushima that happened four years ago, four and a half years ago, and then you've got other types of uh, I mean th- this type of stuff is a, is a main source and then you've got smaller the smaller sources of contamination in different parts of the world uh, but the point being that what can you do to prevent exposure you really can't do much to prevent exposure, what you can do is take proactive steps to try to get some of this stuff out and of course we talk about the IV usages of of things that we do and hopefully we will have other solutions soon that will be able to be accessible to the vast majority of people that don't have access to the IVs to help prevent some of the uh, damage that's ongoing from exposure to these. I like to call them, I mean they're definitely carcinogens, but whether we call them low-level carcinogens and maybe the reason I'm referring to them as low-level is because there's a low level of awareness yes things are so persistent in our, in our environment
1: well and it's the chronic exposure that you of something you can't see right and very few people are actually going out to detect and we know that it's there so yeah. to become conscious means to counteract it and we'll continue to reveal those strategies those of you who aren't part of the mango for health setup go there link it click through and find out how We'll talk more about that as well. We'll get some more stories on vaccinations, one related to autism and antidepressants. So stick with us. A lot more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Great heavens.
0: What kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert.
1: You know, Dr. Batar, I know we've talked about uh, radiation over the years as well and and many things that can alter uh, DNA integrity, so to speak. Uh, These these things can be, you know, you said strategically, for instance, the DMPS and and different things that we know that can bind uh, these radiation or radioactive particles. Uh, We know that selenium is a key mineral, and just general mineralization is so critical because that's what our body utilizes to protect its cells and cellular integrity. In homeopathy, a lot of the people, and we've we've interviewed doctors over the years that uh, survived or helped folks to recover from Fukushima, and they, of course, utilized homeopathic medicines that were indicated for radiation. And we have those; we can do that. As well as, uh, if we look at Hiroshima, Nagasaki, in Japan, they talked about the high high content of, for instance. Uh, seaweed in their diet which indicates high levels of selenium naturally occurring in a food source in their diet so we know there are things that can neutralize it to some degree but the low level invisible stuff is different than a short burst acute exposure that you're recovering from and that's the thing that people aren't aware of as they go about their day eating the regular food and it's not enough
0: yeah they're getting a constant uh, insidious type of exposure and, and that's where the problem lies but you know the mineralization aspect Robert you brought up is a very crucial component that I think we should discuss a little bit at length here. And the reason is, is that part of the mechanism where metals cause damage, we obviously know the oxidative nature of heavy metals. That's the first way that they cause damage. The second way that heavy metals cause damage is by displacement of the essential minerals that act as enzymatic cofactors
1: factors yes. necessary
0: for the metabolic pathways to Proceed down the path that they're supposed to So when the heavy metals come in They displace the essential minerals Get in the, uh, basically take their Spot and the displacement Itself basically locks down the Metabolic machinery and then the third Way is the relatively rare Toxicity aspect which is Really an allergenicity component So that second one, the allergenicity I'm sorry, the, uh,
1: displacement, the uh, displacement of minerals yeah. right?
0: The displacement aspect is something that it can be at least, uh, you may not be able to prevent it, but you can certainly do things to help minimize that and, in some cases, actually prevent the same level of damage from occurring for the heavy metals as it would were you not as well mineralized. So mineralization, yes. making sure that, in fact, I think that to be mineralized is as important, if not more important, than getting the heavy metals out.
1: Yeah, I agree, absolutely, because that constant displacement, you know, of... of, of uh, uh, you know, having you know, we know cadmium binds to uh, selenium, uh, mercury, and other. I mean, these things are you deplete your stores of these minerals, you can't function. Normal metabolic functions are gone, much less the higher higher level protective or antioxidant mechanisms that are critical uh, in terms of the presence of those uh, minerals to counteract the exposures.
0: Absolutely, and one of the other things is that if you ever hear people talking about humic or fulvic minerals, and they'll say these minerals are naturally chelating minerals. Okay, that is an inaccurate statement. It is something that is that is not correct uh, and needs to be clarified. If anything, humic and fulvic minerals are very good. They are. There's no doubt about that, but they are causing a displacement and facilitating a displacement of those heavy metals, thus creating a benefit uh, that would be somewhat analogous to the, the process of chelation, but it is not chelating the metals. Because remember, the actual... Effect of chelation is you bind to that metal and you bind it out. The chelator by definition has to be inert. Whatever goes into the body comes back out exactly the same except it's not bound to a heavy metal. And phobic minerals, humic minerals, glutathione, vitamin C, etc., etc., all these things that people say are natural chelators. They're not chelators. These are antioxidants. There are various types of substances. Vitamin C, glutathione, they're potent antioxidants, but they don't have a chelating effect. But If if you look at humic and phobic, you look at other minerals, Yes, they will cause a similar analogous effect, but it's not through chelation, it's through replacement mm. of the minerals or displacing the heavy metals that displaced the original minerals in the first place.
1: Well, in, in any case, the benefit is real, and that's what is important here yep, exactly. as we gain understanding about how these things work, which is very exciting because you know this is a show, when we get together and do Medical Rewind, uh, You know that's medicalrewind.com, you can listen to it, of course, Advanced Medicine, we are not ones that raise the alarm and then leave you in a panic and there's nothing you can do. No, we're always bringing the things that you can do and continue to, to uh, absorb this kind of information. If you haven't read The Nine Steps to keeps the Doctor Away, the international best-selling book by Dr. Bittar, that is also a very vital piece of the puzzle for you to know how to uh, move through life in that regard. All right, we've got a few stories, one relating to antidepressant use in uh, pregnancy tied to autism. The squalene adjuvant that they're throwing into the flu shot for the elderly. The FDA has never met a vaccine adjuvant it didn't like or want to give to old people. We'll talk about that as well. RobertScottBell.com. The links are all there. Be right back. Um, can you repeat the
0: part of the stuff where you said all about the things?
1: It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert will be right back.
0: taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Roberts.
1: All right, we're back. And uh, Dr. Bitar, I-, I also want to mention molecular hydrogen, something in, in Asia with the electro-reduced water. Well, hydrogen tends to have a beneficial effect if you have radiation exposure as well. So there are a lot of things, even silver. I've seen the peer-reviewed literature on this. Silver works with burns. And of course, what is radiation? Radiation is also a burn in many cases, and that uh, seems to counteract it as well. So there are a lot of strategies, a lot of substances, a lot of energies. We're not fatalistic in this regard, but we do want to acknowledge these things that are existing so that you are, your eyes are open and you're consciously walking through life and making choices to prevent certain seemingly inevitable outcomes and make them not inevitable and make the inevitably be the best outcome for you. And that's a big part of why we do what we do. Uh, so, Dr. Bachar, there is a uh, story here about uh, autism, of course, and you know we've covered this for for so many years, but I think this is a distraction a bit, even though there may be validity to it, but they're claiming that antidepressants given to women while pregnant uh they're linking that to an increase of autism. Now, I don't know if this is just a distraction from the mercury issue and the vaccine issue, uh, but JAMA Pediatrics evidently reported on this so-called link.
0: Well, I think there's somebody that's working on theory that pushing a shopping cart will also increase the incidence of autism, and mm. looking at the moon at a certain angle uh, will also cause increase in autism. There's all these strange things that are out there now. By no means am I condoning the use of antidepressants, and you already know, Robert, that using a statin drug or using an antidepressant drug in my clinic is is uh, grounds for dismissal from our practice. So that is one of the, the antidepressant class of drugs. That is one of the most prescribed. And I believe uh, 50% of Americans are on an antidepressant, or 50% of Americans have been on an antidepressant. There's some statistic like that, something
1: over right. 50%. So, so your sense is like my sense that this is just a red herring distraction. It may have impact, but again, it's completely trying to avoid the real primary issue.
0: Right. Exactly. I I definitely think that antidepressants are not something that people should take. I definitely think that antidepressants could have some type of a role. They're they're causing a uh, disruption of the neurotransmitters um, that of the of the person that. Actually supplying all the nutrients to the child And depletion and disruption of those neurotransmitters in the parent and the mother Can certainly have some type of a detrimental effect Possibly in the fetus But to say that that has a relationship to autism uh, And not talk about the mercury Is like worrying about the The tablespoon of water you got in your hand While the tsunami comes down on you
1: Right, right Well, speaking of the issue of pregnancy We do have a uh, question of the day in that relationship
0: Excuse me I'd like to
1: ask you a few questions. All right, question of the day time comes from Kristen Stanley. Thank you, Kristen, for writing in to the Robert Scott Bell Show here for Dr. Bittar. She says, I have a, a post-pregnancy cardiomyopathy. I was wondering if there's any homeopathic or holistic solutions. Remember, Kristen, we can't diagnose you particularly, but we can give you general information and education. and You can make an informed decision on what to do. But in general... Dr. Bittar, have you heard of this pregnancy, cardiomyopathy, post-pregnancy?
0: Yeah, it's really a mechanical uh, failure or mechanical disruption, and so there's basically mass effects from the fetus that causes pressure on the vena cava, and so it almost creates a, a scenario that would be analogous to an outlet obstruction, So the heart has to pump harder to overcome the inertia that's being caused by the mass effect of the pressure of the fetus on the vena cava, so... Or on, the, on the venous return and so the heart has to push harder and cardiomyopathy is basically a hypertrophy of the muscle uh usually a compensatory type mechanism and so um postpartum cardiomyopathy is sometimes seen in uh, in women as is some of the other conditions that are associated with pregnancy uh bringing them on like uh eclampsia and some of these other types of things so if you look at if it's Actual cardiomyopathy. So there's a idiopathic dilated cardiomyopathy, which is something that affects the younger patient population. When you hear about a football player that died on the on the high school squad or in college, you know, on the field while practicing, it's usually idiopathic dilated cardiomyopathy, and that's the one, Robert. You'll recall that's the condition that was uh, reported in the American Journal of Cardiology in 1999. They did that report where they were talking about uh, cases of idiopathic dilated cardiomyopathy. With the biopsy of the heart tissue, and they compared it to the tissue in the other areas of the body, and there was a 22,000 times the level of mercury found within the myocardium of patients that died of dilated cardiomyopathy, as opposed to other areas, uh, other other areas of the body where there was uh, vastly lower levels of mercury. And of course, you know, people will say, well, uh, the, some of the doctors that that are naysayers would say, well, that's, that's just um, that's not the cause; that's that's the after effect but in fact it is the cause. And when you start looking at the NHANES data that was released in 2002, 2003, that showed that one out of every six pregn- women of childbearing age is mercury toxic. Now you put those two things together, you start looking at cardiomyopathy being associated with mercury. You see mercury being in one out of six women of childbearing age. Um, is it possible that the etiology of this type of condition of postpartum cardiomyopathy, post-pregnancy cardiomyopathies could be related? to Mercury, I think uh, it would be a very safe presumption
1: that it would be. Yeah, I think there's nothing, as we know, and have said many times over the years, that can't be related to a Mercury burden in the body. I mean, there's there's no system it can't impact negatively, uh, including that one. And, and we talk about displacement the heavy metals displacement of minerals. We also see, for instance, in gestational diabetes, how uh, it's an abject chromium deficiency in in these women. And so could there be impact on the heart with chromium? Absolutely, it impacts the heart. So mineral deficiencies play a role in this as well.
0: Yep, mineral deficiencies. So you've got really two gamuts here. You've got the mineral deficiency one, which by itself is... The effects from the heavy metals. The heavy metals push the minerals out so that you have a relative mineral deficiency, or you just don't have enough minerals in your body so you have a mineral deficiency, an absolute mineral deficiency. In either case, you've got the same problem is lack of minerals. In the case when there's heavy metals present, now you've got an, an additional source of oxidative injury recurring because of the heavy metals themselves. So the uh, bottom line take-home message from this is that make sure that you are mineralized and if you think you are mineralized, we've mineralize again.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't stop with this. That's absolutely correct. Uh, let's and, see and what one else we get. I'll say, mm-hmm. One
0: mm-hmm. of one the things I was just going to say real quick, Robert, is that about people sometimes will worry about uh, taking too many minerals. There are certain minerals that you have to worry about, like copper, and lenient, some of these things that can have an oxidative injury type, similar to found with uh, heavy metals if it's done in excess. But most minerals, the body will equilibrate and uh, use it. Them right,
1: right. And, and I like, you know, just like we talked to this about the silver hydrosol, there's a copper hydrosol that I'm very excited about because you can take extraordinary amounts. It, it won't be quantitatively as much as, as you would take in a typical supplement, but because of the surface area available, it's more efficient uh, to utilize some of these minerals in that state or that form, uh, almost in a homeopathic form. So we've got some exciting potential there that we can talk about more. But you're right, and also with copper, you got to worry about zinc uh, as well. Uh, but repair is, is important there, and it's very in evidence. Now, here's another uh, vaccine story, Dr. Batar, I want to s- slide over to. No pun intended because it's a slidey story about a, an oil called squalene, something we've discussed before because of Gary Matsumoto's you know, yep. writing about it, Vaccine A, about the anthrax yep. vaccine. And uh, our good friend uh, uh, Nature of Healing, she's the author of Nature of Healing, naturopath uh, Roseanne Lindsay. She wrote about this in her at her website, squalene adjuvanted, adjuvanted flu shot for the elderly. The FDA just approved Novartis oil and water squalene adjuvant flu oh shot my gosh. for 65 years and older. I mean, this is a disaster oh waiting God. to happen. Wow. Yeah.
0: They basically just approved something for the worst patient population in the sense of meaning worst, meaning that it's the most susceptible patient population, and it, it, that's that's no different than pouring gasoline on a fire That And that's like sticking dynamite in the fire
1: Yeah, and this is one year After, the FDA approves this, one year after Italian regulators temporarily banned The squalene fluad vaccine Following 19 elderly deaths Reported after this vaccination
0: Yeah, it, it just Goes to show, you know Other countries say, hey, this is dangerous And what do we do? Hey, let's put it into uh, The most susceptible patient population we can Do even more <laughs> catastrophic damage
1: yeah, how long before they target kids and, and uh pregnant women? Um the, Well they've already
0: they, targeted the kids.
1: Yeah, but with the with the M F fifty nine, of course, that's the thing. This, these adjuvants of course they're finding they're not Without them, these vaccines don't work unless they put so much antigen in that they're causing all kinds of aberrant immune responses. So they went to aluminum, as we know, MF59, other adjuvants that aggravate the immune system to elicit the antibody response, which once and for all is not the be-all, end-all to immune response. And we're learning more and more through real good immunology. Studies are being reviewed and peer-reviewed. That is legitimate. That they're saying that kind of immunity is not even lasting. It's very a much a waning immunity. It's very different from a natural immunity.
0: Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that, Robert. It's, it, you can't even can't even equate the two. In fact, one of the things that I was talking to a patient today, uh, in between my flight from New York and leaving for Atlanta, I just had enough time to go see one patient that they had to reschedule, and he was asking me about the flu. So he's actually a cancer patient and um, uh, doing very well on treatment. Getting ready to start the next round, and he brought this thing up about about the uh, uh, flu shot, and you know we, we were talking about the, the the entire essence of the thought process behind why vaccines develop in the first place. And the reason was, of course, you give a measured uh, amount to an individual of a substance uh, potentially pathogenic. With the hopes that it elicits an immune response, that so the body now recognizes that immune response and has it ready to go, should it be exposed to it again. That's one reason. Like when you get a bee sting, the first one isn't that bad; the second one is more violent. Or you bite into a strawberry and you have a, you realize you might have an issue with strawberry allergy, and the next time you bite into one and you have a more violent type of response, since you know you've got an allergy. So always, the first time exposure is a little lower and the second and subsequent exposures, you have a more intense reaction. Why? Because the entire body's uh, immune response is geared so that the B cells that release the antibodies, that create the antibodies, when the B cells create these antibodies, they create them the first time, and then the next time they they don't have to create them, the body's ready to release them. Well, I, I hear the music coming on here, but I'll try to wrap this up. Bottom line is if they were really trying to get an immune response, and why are they giving it alongside preservatives that cause suppression of the immune system? Yes. Because how do you to get an immune response if you're suppressing the immune system?
1: Exactly. Yeah, it works against their claimed intent, which should tell you everything about their real intent. Back to wrap up advanced medicine with Doctor Rashid Batar after the show. Live around the world. The Robert Scott, Robert Bell, show. Scott Bell
0: Show. Robert Scott Bell. <laughs> <laughs> making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert.
1: There's a story here about 18 new cases of adverse reactions to the HP vax, HPV vaccination. More teenage girls having uh, debilitating side effects. I, you know, they're direct effects. I don't, even, I don't even want to talk about that. We've done that so many times, although it is legitimate things to re- report on. Dr. Bittar, we just took a call from a listener in Canada, uh, Carrie, very nice lady, uh, seemingly stuck in in a kind of a a, a I don't know, a hamster wheel, you know, going around and around with doctors, trying to get help for a neuropathy that doesn't get better. A lot of iatrogenic, let's say, manifestations in her body. And I think she's sincerely reaching out for help, but maybe stuck emotionally in a a place where, uh, you know, we talk about the emotional and spiritual toxicity issue.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. So one general rule that I have is when a person has a question and it lasts for more than 15 seconds, and especially when it crosses the 30-second threshold, I'm going. Then the the issue is far more deep rooted than the superficial information. And you know, in a nutshell, the issue is uh, is a neuropathy that's progressively worsening. And and efforts are trying to address what it is it caused other complications. And sure, there's nobody saying that the person is responsible for bringing this on themselves. That's not what anybody's trying to say. But there are there's a victim mentality that goes on with this type of stuff because you keep on going back to the into the system to go and seek more help which then creates more problems and and the bottom line really Robert comes down to as you said the emotional psychological aspect is a very very key component here but there's another component too and that is that you notice that they've got this problem that problem and the next problem and the other problem um, and they're not willing to do what's necessary to get better because always that one key thing comes in there, I'm on a very limited budget or I'm on a very limited resources. Well okay I understand that people don't have resources but virtually everybody has a car so you have enough resources to have a car that you can drive but you don't have enough resources to do the right thing for your system and this is where people's mindset comes to uh, play a key role because their thought process is aligned with there are certain things that are important like my car but there are other things like my health that are not as important. But I don't have the resources.
1: Sure. Or, and, or, or, and granted, a... doctor, <laughs> doctor Batar, Sometimes, of course, you know there is so much confusion because the doctors that they were trusting to help them are the ones that actually contributed to their condition, and they, they still keep going back to the same doctors. This is kind of like where we want to say, like Ty says, we've got to go outside the box. She's got to go outside the box.
0: Right. Exactly. Because uh, Einstein. One of my favorite quotes about Einstein is that. He said that you cannot fix a problem with the same insanity that created it in the first place. And this is exactly what's happening. If you notice that her history was recurrent processes that she was having the neuropathy, and every time she'd go in, they would do something else, and she'd have another problem from what they would do, and then that would progressively make her neuropathy worse. So she keeps on going back into that same system. So you're absolutely right, Robert. There has to be a break in that cycle. And if you don't break that cycle, and you're not willing to acknowledge you have to break that cycle, and you're not willing to do what it yeah. takes. To break that cycle. You're not going to break the cycle. And
1: but it's it's a trap rooted in belief, and the belief is, and you and I both interacted with folks that have come up, come to us for help many times over the years, and you know we want to help them, but at the same time they're stuck in this cycle, right? And we say, right. you know, I'll often say, listen, go get quiet, get into a prayerful state, a meditative state, and start opening up to the healing that the, the universe is trying to give you. And, and you know, you're you, you your own worst enemy sometimes in this case because you're overthinking it and you're stuck in this. As Again, the hamster wheel is the best concept I have at that moment to try and describe it. And you've got to step off of it. And sometimes it right, just takes that stilling the mind to do that.
0: And not to minimize that point by any means because you're absolutely right, but there is also the aspect that we got to look at the miasmatic aspect. And, of course, we don't have time to go into that. Yes. Obviously, in the Evox aspect, we, we deal with the emotional, psychological, uh, genetic transposition of that uh, information in the DNA. So some of these people are trapped. In fact, almost all of us have baggage, the purchase bags that we're trapped in, in the situation that we are in, totally without our own control. So we do acknowledge that there is that other aspect, too. And nobody's trying to say that that's not there, but there, this is a multifaceted deal that needs to be sure. addressed.
1: Yeah, it's not a simple, here, just take this. I mean, and you can always give them a recipe list to do, but uh, breaking that that psychological component is very difficult. Sometimes it's more difficult than, oh, just take this. But, of course, you'll end up in the same place again unless we break that cycle. Dr. Bittar, another great advanced medicine segment today. Go to medicalrewind.com if you miss an episode ever. It's the easiest place to get all of the things we do together. Of course, robertscottbell.com, another place to find all the links. Dr. Bittar, if you will. Remind the good folks what they need to know. That the power to
0: heal is yours.
1: Yes, it is.
0: The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert Show. Scott Bell Show.